He's got a little sap fetish. I see what he's doing here. (laughs) Hi, and welcome to Meet Your Heroes. I'm Audrey. And I'm Elliot. And this is the show where we ignore the very good conventional wisdom to never meet your heroes and instead get up close and personal with the lesser known legacies and real life bad behavior of some of history's most notable and beloved people. Hey, Audrey. Yes. Do you know what season it is? Likely a gourd season season of some sort. Oh, it is not just any gourd season. Do you know what kind of gourd season it is? The best predictor of current and future behavior is past behavior. So I'm going to guess decorative. That is correct. It is decorative gourd season, motherfuckers. That is right. Yeah. <laughs> We've been here a while. <laughs> we're, we're leaning into this for a while. <laughs> yes. As much as we've leaned into it, I feel like today is particularly appropriate. Okay. Our hero this week is actually the most prominent, most famous of the decorative gourds. The OG decorative gourd, if you will. Exactly. The one that started it all. With no further ado, the payoff for like four weeks of this bit. (laughs) You you do love a good payoff. (laughs) A long game. I do love a long game. Today's hero is Mr. Jack-O-Lantern. Like as in Jack, first name, O-Lantern, last name? Yes. And he's a mister, for sure. Yes. I think Jack should be the giveaway there. No, come on. It could be non-binary. Okay. It could be a non-binary pumpkin. This is a mister. Audrey, let me ask you. What do you know about Mr. Jack-O-Lantern? I'm not even going to entertain this bullshit right now. You know exactly what I know. It's a pumpkin with a face. That's what I know about (laughs) Jack-O-Lantern. Okay, so pause. I don't want to take anything for granted here. It is a pumpkin carved Mm -hmm. with a face Mm -hmm. with a light inside used to decorate for Halloween. Have I misstated any of those facts? I feel like that's the extent of what I know about a Jack-O-Lantern. That is a very specific combination of factors, but there is a story behind each and every one of them. Let's find out how he got here. Let's Let's dive in. Mr. Jack-O-Lantern was born on Wednesday, October 31st, 1509. (laughs) He's a Scorpio. (laughs) Yes. Okay, that may be... A slightly more specific birthday than we actually have, but the story of Jack goes back way before he was actually Jack. So, 15 to 5,000-ish years ago, there's this thing. Uh, It's usually known as head veneration in the literature. Don't love that. Mm-mm. So, <laughs> this essentially meant that if you got in a fight with somebody and okay. you won, uh huh, you got to keep their head. You got to keep their head. Yeah, I it... understand what venerate means. <laughs> 
I'm an I'm an idiot in a lot of ways, and I I don't often know how to use words, but I recognize words. And the idea of a head veneration is pretty specific. It, yes. it seems like yeah. there's not a lot of gray area in what a head veneration could be. Well, if you venerate something, you like honor it. You think it's important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, big time. And so. and you didn't say they didn't say like enemy veneration. They were like battle veneration. It's very <laughs> specific that it's a head veneration, which implies you are taking a very specific part of that person, uh, a la their head, and uh, honoring it. It's a yeah. real weird flex. I'm going <laughs> to tell you that. It is. It is. Uh, but but this is the part that they wanted to venerate. They showed it off. You find this in a lot of different societies across the world. It's in Asia. You see it some places in Africa. In Europe, the Celts really took it further than most places mm. did. So You know what? Further than decapitation is farther than I want to go. <laughs> all the way up, all the way up to a few steps before decapitation is actually further than I want to go. Decapitation is on the <laughs> furthest end of of my comfort zone. It's the far so side <laughs> of where you would have drawn the line. Noted. Oh, Noted. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a many steps further than I want to go. So uh, to take decapitation to the next level feels problematic. Yeah, okay, fair enough. It was. They <laughs> really just decorated with the heads a lot. So there's like a place where they find 16 skulls on spikes as like a permanent part of the decor. They mm. would hang them from chariots or, like, make a necklace out of them for their horse. This has to smell so bad. Imagine yes. your yeah. horse. Your horse is just like, okay, first of all, get the fuck off me. I don't I don't want you riding me. This is horrible. And now you're strapping other heads to me, and it smells this bad. What a nightmare. It's not done for the aromatics. It's mostly <laughs> the theatrical effect. <laughs> Sure. I guess. I mean, we all do things for the vibe, I guess. Yes, that is what this is. <laughs> uh, if you are a very special enemy, they would not hang you on the horse. They oh would take a container of cedar oil and embalm your head. Mm. And then it would be displayed for visitors as a way to say, look at the people we've killed. <laughs> That's so welcoming. <laughs> Well, inviting well, i too it, i too display the heads of the people i killed in my foyer as a way to welcome visitors strangers from far off lands i mean say what you will about it but there's no arguing it is a very clear message i'm gonna argue <laughs> about this <laughs> i don't know what the message is it, it's it's a lot of mixed messages honestly sure sure it's definitive in its um appreciation for their heads and in its statement that you're going on the record saying that you cut people's heads off like there's no argument okay. about there's that no part argument. at least yeah that's clear that's definitive over the next few thousand years the celts really lean into this they develop all kinds of interesting head-based technologies <laughs> so in one ancient tradition Head-based technology. They create something called brain balls. No, mm -mm, they did not. They didn't create that. That, so, that is a 
No. They they, if they did, if they did, they shouldn't have told anybody about it. That's embarrassing. <laughs> Keep that to yourself. Don't. <laughs> Andre, do you have any guesses about what brain balls are? I wish I never had to guess what a brain ball was. <laughs> Not once in my life. I wish no one ever. From the time I was born up until this present moment, long into the future, I wish no one had ever asked me if I quote unquote knew what brain balls were. No, I don't know what brain balls are. Well, today is your lucky day. <laughs> so imagine you've got like several dozen heads lying around. At some point. Uh, I don't have to imagine. It's, it's actually what's happened. Got it. So if you have all these heads, the skulls, very handy for decoration. They last a long time. Uh, they don't even smell bad after everything else has fallen off. The brains, however, no real use. They're just sitting there leaking out the brain, uh, leaking out the skulls. So what you do is you just take the brains out and you add some lime and not lime like the fruit. Right. I, I understand. Yeah. Lime like just, the chemical, like lime like the chemical. Like you, uh, if you wanted to dissolve a body in acid, you would cover it in lime. Like limestone. So you take the lime, you mix it with the brain, and it hardens into this like hard rock slash brain thing. <laughs> and then you put that in a slingshot and you shoot mm. it at your other enemies. <laughs> And then you say brain-based technology. <laughs> yes. Think about it. You've taken one enemy. Are and... there not enough just like rocks laying around? Like why do you need a brain? Again, it seems like way more, <laughs> way more work than just finding a rock the size of a brain. An approximate brain-sized rock I could find in our backyard right now. I don't need to make a rock out of brains. <laughs> I got to tell you, if there's one thing you take away from this... It is that the head technologies of the time were not about convenience, right? They're, okay. about, they're about excellence. It's a showmanship. Exactly. Imagine if you're fighting these guys mm -hmm. and then they start. These are the same guys who, by the way, came with their horse necklaces mm -hmm. of heads. And then they start launching rock brains at you. <laughs> right? Message yeah. received. Sure. It's, uh, it is a message of some sort. It is. It is. So with this backdrop, thousands of years of tradition of brain balls and heads, this has really seeped into the culture. Sometimes people, when they are whittling or making tools, they will frequently carve their potatoes into little head decorations. They will carve their beets into little head decorations. Really just the head motif seeps into other things. It, it really sounds like a root vegetable situation here. The, the head motif and root vegetable combination to jack-o'-lantern pipeline is what I'm hearing. It is shockingly not that direct. Now, no. I will say, though, there's this Celtic festival of Samhain, Samhain, okay. maybe, S-A-M-H-A-I-N. If so, it's Celtic, it's probably pronounced like Hogwarts. Yeah. Like, <laughs> however it's spelled, it's not how you say it. I'll tell you no that. No relation whatsoever. But they had this festival, 
And it was mm-hmm. believed that this is the time when souls from the other world were able to cross over to the land of the living. Now, this was a convenient time to have your root vegetables because you could carve the faces into them mm-hmm. and scare people away. Well, okay. You could carve faces into them and scare the souls that had crossed over away. And uh, it was a pretty good system. It was effective at scaring the souls away. But a couple things. One, this is not Mr. Jack-o'-lantern because this is an assortment of root vegetables. <laughs> sure. This is not Halloween. It's the main. And okay, so it's like the solstice. Is it like the third week of September? It is October 31st. Oh, okay. So it actually coincides with what we know as Halloween. All right. Time of year-wise, yes. Also, no lights, though. No lights okay. in these things. It's just like little, less precious versions of the heads you have in your home. You just put some <laughs> okay. of those vegetable versions out front to scare the souls away. Got it. Then you don't. It's like using the good china. You don't exactly. want to put the good china out for the raggedy souls. You're no. waiting for the good no. souls to come. You, exactly. you save. You save your good heads for the queen. Exactly. The good heads are for your visitors, and then the little knockoff heads are for the souls outside. <laughs> so a few hundred years later, the Christians show up, and they're like, what they is this about shit? about to ruin some shit. Yeah, yes. they show up, and everything goes to hell. <laughs> so if you'll remember, uh, St. Patrick is like, from that episode, he's coming around the year 400 AD. Uh, he is part of this big evangelization wave, but there are many others, and they see all this shenanigans this head-based revelry decor. They're like, not having any of this. So the year 609, specifically, the Catholic Church is in power in Rome. It's now the Roman Catholic Church. Pope Boniface IV is dedicating the Pantheon, and he's dedicating it in honor of all the Christian martyrs who died there. He creates the Catholic feast of All Martyrs Day, and he established it on the day is October 31st. May 13th. Close. Oh, um, uh, my parents' anniversary. Look at that. I'll remember that. <laughs> Tell them happy All Martyrs Day next March time you see them. <laughs> <laughs> well, not, technically it's not because later Pope Gregory III expanded the festival to include all the saints, not just the martyrs. Yeah, and you got to be inclusive. You, I mean, the Catholic Church is known for its inclusivity. If nothing, the Catholic Church, if nothing else, is inclusive. <laughs> it is arms wide open. Everybody's welcome. You absolutely don't have to flagellate, self-flagellate to be here. It's it, everybody. Everybody can stay. All kidding aside, I will say this. If the <laughs> Catholic Church is very open, you can be someone who died for the church or just someone who dedicated your entire life and existence to the church. Either way, you get a feast. Same feast. Oh, great. Day. That's all you have to do. Exactly. And as they're doing this, as they're expanding the day, they're like, hey, we've got this like very inconvenient, like severed head holiday. <laughs> and it's at that it point. It just won't point, go away. <laughs> right? At that point, they're like, we need a new strategy. So they move the day from May 13th to november 1st oh wow okay that's really gonna fuck up some souls schedule (laughs) they've been waiting to come out on may 13th and now they've got like a whole nother what six months they have to pack it away and just wait 
Yeah, right. No. It's, I, it's pretty inconsiderate of the church. Have they thought of no one else but themselves? <laughs> Again, it's priorities. That's what it's about. So by the year 1000, several hundred years later, the church didn't just want to celebrate all the saints. So we've got martyrs and saints. And that is on November 1st. But that's not enough. They want more. So many other people have died. They are all about inclusion. So they expand to a second day. They make November 2nd All Souls Day. Honor the dead. Uh, Presumably, even the ones who went to hell. Maybe just to make fun of them. Who knows? (laughs) But they were really trying to make this into an event because they were not getting the traction they wanted replacing the Celtic Festival of the Dead, right? They really wanted this church-sanctioned replacement to catch on. They add another day. It's like, hey, it's not just celebrating our saints that, you know, we're telling stories about. It's all your dead people, too, the next day, right? All of your dead ancestors, just like it's a big dead people party. And they said, and guess how we're going to celebrate this new All Souls Day? You have big bonfires and parades, and you dress as devils for your Samane pagan head festival. <laughs> Did you know that's how we celebrate All Souls Day, too? They were like, it's the exact same celebration. What a coincidence. <laughs> so everybody could do the same bonfires, parades, saints, angels, devil costumes. It's got everything. I'm thinking this the Stefan sketch right now, right? It was right. the full celebration they would expect. Uh, they ended up calling it All Hollows, which is like All Hollowed Souls, right? Eventually, the night before it became All Hollowmas, and the traditional night of Semain in the Celtic religion began to be called All Hollows Eve, which by the year 1000 eventually becomes Halloween. I need to know where the ween comes in. <laughs> like, it's the is Eve. It just... Ween is the old English for Eve. So All Hallows Eve becomes All Hallows Ween. Ew. And then Halloween. I think I like Eve better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> so they go with this new marketing strategy. Okay. We'll Bonfires, parades, Bonfire. devil costumes. 500 years later, really not catching on. Um, oh. They've done After their best. Work. I mean, it, it's starting to pick up, but they are still in competition with the Celtic folk religion. And uh, so there's one last idea that gets rolled out. It's not. Well, also, they're also just like killing off all of these pagans. So it's hard to like take this tradition and like roll it out and have it a continuation of while also like converting and murdering non Christians. It's true, but you can't kill everybody. Somebody's got to tie it to the church. <laughs> you got a lot of people that you want to be in the pews, you know? It's a, you got quotas to make. Can't till all that land yourself. <laughs> okay, so, so they've got one last-ditch effort. So for this next marketing effort, you need to be familiar with this concept of the will of the wisp. Have you ever heard of this? No, I haven't. Um, it is an English term that describes the same phenomenon as swamp gas. Never heard that term either. Uh, I kind of have. I think like, I have. When people are like, oh, did you see a UFO? And they're like, no, it's just swamp gas. 
Oh, not- okay. So that's not at all what I thought it was. And this is never a sentence I've heard in my life. Swamp gas? Is that a UFO? No, that's swamp gas? No, sir. I have not heard that saying. Okay, so one, the swamp gas thing was an actual line that the U.S. government used to try to explain UFO sightings starting in the 50s. It's a real thing. The U.S. government. If the U.S. government says it, it must be true. No, but swamp gas is not just like, oh, there's gas coming up. There's a thing that can happen that has been noticed for thousands of years around places that have swamps, like Ireland and their bogs and whatever, where you'll see lights flash above the swamps. Yes. It was called a will-the-wisp Okay. because wisp was a bundle of sticks or paper, sometimes used as a torch. Okay. The name Will is a name for a person. Okay. That starts with the same letter as Wisp. So it's nice and alliterative. <laughs> yeah, alliteration helps everybody remember things. <laughs> so if you would see these lights, you'd be like, what the hell was that flash of light over the swamp? And somebody would be like, oh, it's just Will, the guy with the torch that hangs out in the swamps. And you're like, what? <laughs> and like, no, we don't know what it fucking is. This is it's the year 1000. We don't have any science. But it's, <laughs> we just call him that. It's Will of the Torch. Or will of the wisp. So it is a long known thousands of years phenomenon. Are you interested in knowing what this actually is? Um, I feel like I have heard recently, actually, a strange podcast mentioning it. But why don't you go ahead and explain it? Because I don't think I could do it justice. Well, you're in luck because it is time for Elliot's Ecology Corner. <laughs> I don't even have any music for this. Too bad. Getting it anyway. So there are these gases, phosphine and diophosphane. Okay. And they are both much more volatile than methane, but methane is also present in the swamp. Mm-hmm. And just when things decay naturally, the phosphine, the phosphine and diophosphane mix. And when they mix, they can spontaneously ignite when they come in contact with oxygen. Yes. Okay. They ignite, they set off larger pockets of methane. You get this like flash of fire spontaneously above the swamps. Decomposition fireworks. Yes. So, but you go to the year 1500, people know what this is. And so some uh, enterprising church figure (laughs) is like, hey, you know the magic lights above the swamp? (laughs) They're like, this is... No, 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 no. They're like, this is what's going to really kick off the marketing for our new All Hallows' Eve holiday. In the 1500s, it seems that someone generally affiliated with the church began telling the tale of Stingy Jack. Okay. What do you know about Stingy Jack? I'm going to give it to you straight, Elliot. I know more about swamp gas than Stingy Jack. That's what I would expect. According to this tale... There's Jack, who at the time is just Jack. In this tale, Jack is walking down the road, sees an old man on the side of the road, decides to help him. Not usually his kind of thing to do, but goes out on a limb, helps the guy. Turns out the old man is an angel in disguise. That's very convenient for a parable. Yeah, in fact, it's not really a parable unless the angel appears at some point, I think. Okay, (laughs) sure, yeah. Otherwise, just helping an old man, but I digress. (laughs) So the angel, uh, as angels are wont to do, decides to give Jack three wishes. 
Mm. It seems like somebody was like reading, I don't know, A Thousand and One Nights or something. Got, anyway, first time I've heard of Angel Granting Wishes, but Celtic <laughs> Angels Grant Wishes, apparently. So Jack shows his true nature here. He's not really a kind and generous person. He goes for the most self-serving wishes he can imagine. Yeah, I was going to say money, sex, and fame. Close. Wish number one, anyone who sits in his chair is forever stuck to his chair. That's weird. Two. That's not at all what I would imagine. Anyone who takes a branch from his tree, forever stuck to the tree. Three, anyone who borrows his tools, forever stuck to the tools. He's got a little sap fetish. I see what he's doing here. (laughs) (laughs) Not in the direction I was expecting them to go. No, you just get stuck to all the things that are important to him. Sitting, Mm -hmm. uh, trees, and um, labor. (laughs) (laughs) The angel is not pleased with these. Yeah, who would be? You think this angel... Who is, you know, like hustling on the side of the road to get somebody to stop and help him. It's like, okay, you have three wishes. And this guy comes out and he's like, stick people to my stuff. You think that angel is like, yeah, that is what I wanted to do with the three wishes. You could have had anything in the world and you want me to stick some motherfuckers to your chair? Are you kidding me? No, no. Of course he's not pleased with that. He wanted he he wanted to see naked people. He That's wanted sex it. to be one of That's those. Yeah. He wanted money. He wanted to roll around in money on the side of the road and be exalted from, you know, crowds all around. It's true. If you're an angel, the only way, I guess, that you could get away with stuff that you couldn't actually <laughs> do yourself is to sit on the side of the road, giving away free wishes and wait for people to wish for that thing. And you're like, oh, I'm an angel of my word. I got to do it. <laughs> There you go. Right. Instead, he's just, you know, conjuring up some sap. It's horrible. Yeah. It's the worst he can think of. The angel's pissed. So he gives Jack all his things that he wished for and also says, by the way, um, you're a terrible person. You're not getting to heaven. <laughs> This is hysterical. (laughs) If you stick one more person to your chair, I swear to God, I'm calling Satan. Don't make me do it. (laughs) Well, here's the important part. He doesn't doesn't get (laughs) He doesn't get into heaven. He also doesn't say he has to go to hell. He just says he can't go to heaven. Okay. (laughs) A couple days later, Jack, feeling very pleased with himself, Mm -hmm. got people stuck all over his shit now. Goes out. Also, so another <laughs> another layer of this story is that the, the the implication here is that Jack is so overwhelmed by people wanting to touch his tree or sit his chair <laughs> that he needs to punish them. Like there's a whole other layer here. <laughs> Where Jack is like, I cannot get people to stop borrowing my tools. I swear, if one more person borrows my tools, like, what? What has? Been, what is his life where this is a major concern of his? Also, the fact that this is the best disincentive that he can think of. 
Oh yeah, he traps them there. And it, so now everybody's stuck in your chair. Where are you going to sit, Jack? <laughs> you didn't. You didn't. Now your problem's worse. Now you have everybody stuck on your... I mean, you have one person stuck in your chair. Who's going to come try and sit in it again? So now whoever, whatever shitty neighbor you had who came and tried to sit in your chair is there for good. Now yeah. you can't get rid of yeah. your neighbor. I don't know. I don't even know if he gets a new chair. Is that now his chair? Does it stick the next person? Does it unstick the first person? I don't know. A lot of loopholes. Anyway, Jack is not bothered by this. He is feeling very pleased by himself. So he goes out to drink, and he's like, who should I invite to go drink with me? And he's like, I know, Satan. So he invites Satan over to to go with a drink. Same, baby. (laughs) And uh, they get their drinks. They finish them. Jack refuses to pay for his drink. This is where he gets the stingy title. Okay, yeah. He, for some reason, thinks it's going to be a good reason to not pay for his drink with the devil. But he says, I have an idea. Hey, hey, devil, how about you shapeshift into a coin and cover the tab for us? Mm. And Satan is like, flawless logic, done. Turns into a coin. And then Jack is like, Uh, Now I know what to do. Puts the coin in his pocket where there's a silver cross. Oh, my. Okay. See, I expected no no such plot twist. Uh, Because there's a silver cross, Satan can never return to his original form. The Uh, cross paralyzes him. Yes. This is one of the dead giveaways that this is uh, definitely a Christian story. The whole cross... keeping the devil in a coin shape thing not actually a traditional celtic story but you're telling me this is not based on true events are you fucking kidding me i didn't say that so we've got lucifer he's a little coin jingle jingle yeah but uh, apparently coin still has a mouth devil's very angry tells jack uh let me out of here i'm pissed and jack is like no you're just gonna send me to hell And by the way, the angel told me I couldn't go to heaven, so no thank you. (laughs) And the devil's like, all right, let's make a deal. And Jack is like, deal with the devil. What could go wrong? (laughs) So they agree that Jack will set the devil free. And in return, Mm -hmm. the devil will uh, leave Jack alone for a year. One year. That's all he's got. One one year. year to get away from Satan. Yes. And he's like, yeah, what? Where could this go wrong? Yeah, it's what, 1,500? He's got, you know, that's like a whole tenth of his life exactly. at that point. <laughs> exactly. So, lets the devil out. Devil disappears for a year. There's a flaw in Jack's plan. Have you been able to find it yet? I found every flaw in Jack's plan. <laughs> I've pointed them out as we have come to them. There's a flaw in this plan that that is the culmination of he's just waiting for the devil to come back. 365 days later, it sounds like the devil's a man of his word. I'll give him that. But yeah, the flaw in his plan sounds like he only asked the devil to go away for one year. Yes. Didn't think that through. A year later, the devil comes back, uh, starts to mess with Jack. Jack, however, ready for him. Had a year to prepare, has a plan of his own. Devil comes back, starts to mess with Jack. Jack is like, hey, there's a delicious piece of fruit at the top of that tree. Mm. why don't you go get some of that delicious fruit before you torture me? (laughs) And I was like, all right, let's do it. Climbs up the tree. 
Jack. Stuck to it. Resource. Bam. <laughs> Boom, bam. That's how you solve that. It would have been great <laughs> if he had sent the devil up his tree. Ugh. But Jack sent him up a different tree. God, look alive, Jack. We have been doing this for too fucking long. <laughs> no sense. This motherfucker has no sense. Not one goddamn little ounce of sense. He can't do anything right. I have, he has done nothing to impress me. Not Had one. so many opportunities as well. How many times does an angel give you three wishes and you How still can't? How many times is a devil like, yeah, I'll climb that tree, and you pick not your tree? You had one job you pick one tree my guess is there isn't even fruit at the top of this other tree so if you're gonna lie to satan you might as well lie to him and get him stuck to your tree yes this is the problem jack realizes as he climbs up oh he's just gonna come back down wrong tree (laughs) so quick thinking jack takes out his pocket knife carves a cross into the trunk of the tree and as everybody who's ever been to sunday school knows if you trick the devil up a tree once you carve a cross in the trunk, he can't come down. I did not learn that in vacation Bible school. <laughs> That's a real life skill right there. They see what? it's it's like when you go to school and they teach you, you know, geometry but not taxes. You go to vacation Bible school, you sing some really fucked up songs, and they don't teach you these applicable life lessons like carve a cross into a tree and Satan can't get you. Exactly. Thank you. This is we need to invest in practical learning for our children. Anyway, hands-on anti-Satan lessons. Exactly. More hands-on anti-Satan lessons. But Jack's got the devil where he wants him again. Mm. Devil's not pleased. Devil's like, let's make a deal again. Again. (laughs) So Jack, having learned from the first deal, is like, all right, uh, if I let you down, you can't mess with me for 10 years. Which presumably is like the rest of his life at this point. Who knows? Yeah. No. He's not, not a super bright guy. Uh, he's not going <laughs> to die of old age. I'll tell you that. <laughs> the other stipulation, though, is that the devil has to agree that he won't send Jack to hell when Jack dies. Why does Jack get all of this attention? There are like... At this point, probably a billion people on the planet. What is so special about Jack that he gets both an angel and an audience with Satan? So it sounds like you've suspended disbelief here, Audrey. <laughs> no, I am. I am leaning into disbelief. I am. I am eyeballs deep in disbelief. I was suspending disbelief for the first ten seconds of this story, and now with every passing word, the disbelief is drowning me. I am underwater in disbelief. <laughs> okay, if I can just remind you where we are in this story. Okay, yeah. What you are hearing is a. F- f- 1500s um, <laughs> commercial pitch for people to really get into this new All Hallows Eve festival, right? I want you to okay. imagine the monk who's sitting there pitching this <laughs> to his boss, right? He's like, at some point, they're like, wait, how does this tie back to the holiday? It's like, look, we're getting there. We're getting there. We're getting there. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because we're like 35, 40 minutes into this podcast, and we have not talked about <laughs> one pumpkin. Not one. We're going to get there. 1500s. Jack's making a second deal with the devil. This time, it, he's got uh, 10 times the protection. 10 times but... the protection and the stipulation that whenever he does die, the devil will not let him enter hell. 
and the devil agrees. Jack dies. Surprise, surprise. Shocker. The devil, true to his word, refuses to let Jack into hell. God gets the lowdown from the angel, does not let Jack into heaven. Suddenly, stuck in the middle. He's stuck in the middle. What's he going to do? Forever wander eternal darkness, of course. Just walk through the nights. And in the one kind gesture that the devil offers Jack, rather than have him walk in total darkness, he tosses him up a coal from hell so that he can have a little bit of light. He doesn't have to cut out his own eyeballs to get it. (laughs) So he, of course, finds a vegetable, carves out the inside, puts the coal in. Yeah, you can't be holding that. You need something. That vegetable, of course, is a... Beet. Turnip. Yeah, it's a they turnip. are so close. It's it's got to be a it's got to be an autumnal root vegetable. So. <laughs> yes. And then Jack will forever roam in darkness, carrying the eternal light of hell with his little turnip lantern. Oh. And be known as Jack of the Lantern, which of course ah. later shortened to Mister Jack of Lantern. So the devil did it. We finally got here. Satan had his way. So we have now explained why jack-o'-lanterns are hollow turnips with no faces. The Catholic Church was like, and this is the very best story we can tell (laughs) to get you godless pagans on our side. Let's do this. Come on, get on board. (laughs) Say what you will about the Catholic Church. Their early work has had a lot more staying power than some of these later albums. The later ones really did not have the same snappiness, did not catch on. You can only replace a lead singer so many times (laughs) before the quality goes downhill. (laughs) So the term jack-o'-lantern starts to be a reference for these like lights you would see above the swamp bogs. And people would be like, what is that? And instead of saying that's Will-o'-the-Wisp, who's a stupid guy with no backstory that helps convert you to Christianity, people would be like, oh, that's jack-o'-lantern. That, that light is his turnip. And they'd be like, what the hell are you talking about? And they'd be like, come to our All Hallows Eve festival. We'll tell you all about it. It starts to be a term that is referencing basically any guy carrying a lantern. So the term okay. starts to catch on. Like, who's that guy with the lantern? Uh, just some jack of the lantern, right? It's, it's starting to establish this, like, cultural presence. But another few hundred years pass. We still do not have a decorative gourd with a glowing light and a face carved down. Mid-1800s come around. Heard of it. 1845, the start of the Irish potato famine. Millions of people are starving. Millions of people began immigrating, fleeing to North America. They bring with them this Samhain slash Halloween tradition of vegetable carving. They bring with them this term, Jack of the Lantern, for the willowy, wispy lights above the swamps and the story of this guy with his turnip light. They bring with them their traditions of carving faces into things like root vegetables. It's a a real progression. And when they come to the New World, they find an abundance of this North American fall gourd that is just fantastically suited to face carving 
Yeah, way better than turnips. Not as many turnips here. No, but there's this pumpkin, which is native to North America. And by the mid-1800s, the very first image of a pumpkin with a face carved in it and a light is published on November 23rd, 1867, in Harper's Weekly, called the Pumpkin Effigy. <laughs> Not called the Jack-O-Lantern, but... We'll get there. A few, just a few short years later, in 1886, the Canadian newspaper, The Daily News, reported the following, and a quote... The old-time custom of keeping up Halloween was not forgotten last night by the youngsters of the city. There was a great sacrifice of pumpkins from which to make transparent heads and face lighted up by the unfailing two inches of tallow candle, a festive jack-o'-lantern. And from that day on in North America, but first in Canada, there is evidence of a jack-o'-lantern being used as a Halloween decoration that is a pumpkin with a face carved and a light inside as an ode to the original Stingy Jack and all the work he did to convert the Irish to Christianity. <laughs> so despite the incredible staying power of this insanely preposterous story, <laughs> if for no other reason than the sheer stupidity of the sap-based wishes. Stingy Jack, a.k.a. Mr. Jack of the Lantern, is not my hero. He had so many chances to be a hero. So many. He could have looked, he could have looked that devil in the eye and done so many things. He could have gotten so many wishes. Instead, he's just a ghost with a turnip. It's so... Ugh. A ghost with a turnip that's actually swamp gas. What a waste. What a waste of angel wishes and devil deals. If you're going to make multiple deals with the devil, why would you be a swamp ghost? I, come on. I know. I I feel, imagine anybody before this story, somebody's like, okay, there's a dude who's going to get three wishes from an angel and then get to make a deal with the devil, not once, but twice. And on the second time, he'll have the opportunity to correct whatever mistakes he made, not thinking the first, first four deal. times, right? No, the first four times. Where do you think this guy ends up? You're like emperor of the world. I don't know, right? Like, how much does it take? It's like, no, fucking walking around with a turnip in the swamps for all eternity. I mean, that's really kind of a. You know what? Who could want for more? Now that I think about it, now that I think about it, I would settle for for wandering with a turnip in a swamp at this point. It kind of feels like 2021 is, yeah, there's a metaphor for everything right now. Yeah, you would get a lot of alone time. I would. It'd be so quiet and Rather warm. Peaceful. Probably like warm, I would guess. It's a, it's a cold from hell. It's true. good. I don't know. Sounds kind of like so many wasted opportunities. Well, if our listeners would like a little piece of the fires of hell to keep them warm, <laughs> maybe an extra episode or two to get them through the week, where can they find us? They can find us on social media at Your Heroes Pod or on our website at meetyourheroespodcast.com. 
Yep, and please like, share, rate, review, spread the word, tell your friends. And until next week. Don't be a hero. Don't be a hero. Bye.